This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello and welcome to the latest EPFR podcast. My name is Cameron Brandt, Director of Research at EPFR, and I'm joined today by Paul Adams, longtime editor of our sister company, iMoneyNet. Thank you, Cam. Good morning. Good to be here. Good to have you, Paul. Your uh, presence is timely. Uh, One of the major themes that we've been tracking over here at EPFR over the past couple of weeks has been what I might call the flattening of the curve for money market fund flows after an absolute huge run-up that's all well over a trillion flow into these vehicles in a very short period of time. So perhaps to start, can you sketch out for our listeners what you've seen over the past two months? Sure. that drop-off that, that you cite is certainly uh, reflected in uh, iMoneyNet data. And for our listeners who aren't familiar, iMoney tracks, iMoneyNet um, tracks U.S. money market fund data. Uh, and over the past couple of weeks, there has been uh, a decline. It was a decline of less than a, a billion dollars two weeks ago. And last week, it, it sort of slumped uh, much more significantly by about uh, $28 billion. So, uh, so there has been a drawdown, but that uh, that period, uh, the last two weeks, stands really in a stark contrast to the to the period that uh, that preceded it. Cash accumulation in money market funds has been just nothing short of remarkable, uh, and not just. Um, during the uh, once the pandemic uh, uh, issue raised its uh, ugly head, the year actually started off pretty strongly, and uh, and even uh, despite the drawdown, uh, 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 assets uh, in all likelihood would have remained high. Which is to say that the 2020 sort of picked up where 2019 uh, had left off. Um, so it's likely we would have had a strong year. It's certainly been made stronger by the, the flight to safety into money market funds. In fact, from uh, f- uh, February 25th, the week ending 20, uh, the 25th of February, uh, through uh, the 19th of um, May, we had 20, we had uh, 13 consecutive weeks of uh, asset increases. Really remarkable, highlighted by uh, uh, increases in the in the week that ended the 24th of March. When assets were up for that one week alone, uh, $268 billion. So it was it was remarkable. But w- remarkable. But we did begin to see this drawdown, this flattening of the curve that you refer to, probably as early as mid-April. Uh, for example, uh, after that four or five week period from mid-April, uh, from mid-March to mid-April. When we get to mid-April, uh, the week ending the 14th of April, we were up only about 51 billion, and then two weeks later, we were up only 74 billion total assets. Yeah, Paul, what are your uh, sources telling you lies behind this sort of uh, easing of the massive inflows? I, I guess I would say that that to, to some extent, the f- financial system has accommodated itself to uh, to the virus threat, which simply seemed to take financial markets by storm. Certainly, the Fed. Uh, the Fed's uh, facilities, its CP uh, facility and the money market fund facility have been s- cited as being really instrumental 
uh, in helping to stabilize uh, markets and uh, the, the financial markets generally, certainly the money market uh, fund industry uh, particularly. Uh, our, our reading from the folks that we have spoken to is that uh, uh, despite the um, uh, what appear to be in some parts of the country a moderation in the number of uh, coronavirus cases diagnosed and, and the number of hospitalizations. Despite that, it's uh, the reading that we get from folks that we have spoken to is that asset levels are likely to remain high. Um, some some assets may uh, exit the money fund industry. Uh, that's likely, uh, we're told, but. Um, uh, but asset levels should remain high, and not just because of the coronavirus threat. There are a variety of other threats, uh, headwinds ahead for the financial system, and maybe we can touch on those uh, in a bit. But um, so the downturn it seems to be very real. It, it uh, was uh, preceded by a, a period, as we know, f f beginning in January, of very, uh, very aggressive asset increases in money market funds, and now something of a slowdown. One issue this raises is how do you match your funding uh, sources to this river uh, of cash that's poured in through the door. And certainly for the money market funds, there were signs of stress in the, in the funding markets back in September. Um, how's that playing out? We had a very interesting conversation earlier this week I did with uh, Lori Brignac, who's the head of uh, global liquidity management at uh, Invesco. And I posed some of these questions to her, both about the what seems to be, what uh, beginning in mid-April, a, a, a reduction in the aggressiveness of money market fund asset increases, as well as some of the other um, uh, issues, such as specifically what's going to happen to this enormous accumulation of cash, both in bank deposit accounts as well as in money market uh, fund accounts. And, and uh, it was she who uh, indicated that she didn't see didn't foresee, and Vesco is not foreseeing, uh, a, uh, uh, a, a dramatic reduction in money market fund assets, total assets. Um, she, uh, she did say, however, that the, the single major challenge that she thought faces the money market fund industry is, is exactly how those cash uh, accumulations are going to be deployed in the, uh, in the quarter or two ahead. And, uh, and it was a question mark uh, for her as to exactly how that cash was going to be uh, deployed. And she wasn't at all sure that, uh, that all of it would be. Um, so I, I think the answer to that question is that it's, uh, it's, a, it's a wait and see sort of a situation. Are any of the people that you're talking to, Paul, bracing for negative interest rates to come uh, to the US with all of the complications that that might bring? Well, that's, that's an interesting question, of course, because as cash flowed into money market funds uh, and as asset levels were inflated, um, yields were uh, depressed uh, for uh, down to one or two basis points. In fact, government retail funds last week by our numbers uh, were yielding uh, two basis points. Um, and uh, the government funds are all under, uh, are, uh, under 10 basis points. Some of the uh, prime institutional funds are uh, a little higher than that. But I asked uh, Lori about that uh, as well, and she tells me that uh, Invesco's base case, first of all, is that the Fed is on hold in terms of its market rate. So it's not going it, to force the Fed funds rate below uh, zero. And the reason for that, 
she says, it's, it's not at all clear that pushing rates below zero is really going to be necessary or helpful. Um, but the second maybe is, is more a, a messaging issue, and that is that, uh, that as recently as three or four weeks ago, um, uh, the Fed chairman and others were vocally rejecting the idea of negative rates. And so it would be something of a bad signal, and, and the Fed is, uh, messaging for the Fed is important, as you know. It would be something of a bad signal if the Fed decided all of a sudden out of reverse course and advocate for negative rates. So she was not – she was confident that the, that the Fed rate was not going to go below zero. She, she did say that she thought that uh, the yields for money market funds, particularly government funds, were going to remain – historically low, very low, uh, single digits, but she didn't foresee, um, she didn't foresee a, a significant reduction below that for most funds. Now, as, as you know, Northern Trust uh, shuttered a money market fund um, after some significant uh, redemptions back in uh, a couple of weeks ago. Vanguard uh, closed a treasury money market fund to, to new investors, although it's still accepting cash from current investors. And I asked Lori about that, and she seemed to think that those were essentially one-offs and that that was not that, – that kind of behavior on the part of the money market fund industry was not likely to be uh, uh, replicated among most of the other major fund providers. Okay. Um, so looking ahead a little bit, uh, what do you think is likely to happen over, say, the next six weeks in the money fund space? I would, I would guess that we would see uh, we, that the drawdown that, that you mentioned and that, and that uh, I cited, $28 billion last week, is, is likely to uh, – drawdowns are likely to continue. Maybe not every week, not consecutive weeks. They're likely to continue. Um, and um, but I, I, I tend to think that Lori's reasoning is correct, that uh, that uh, asset levels will remain high. And, and I think uh, the way she put it uh, to me is that uh, um, as long as the virus threat, the virus remains a threat, she thought that uh, asset levels will remain high. But she also cited a number of other headwinds ahead, including, for example, uh, a, a, a a, a, generally speaking, a too slow rebound from the current economic malaise that we're going through. Unemployment rates very high, continuing to be high, perhaps going higher, well above 20%. Bankruptcies, permanent business closings uh, that will slow economic growth, uh, revved up uh, and what is likely to be a very acrimonious presidential campaign season. And even she cited uh, a, a more active than usual hurricane season, which is being predicted for this year. All of those things will have their own various effects on the on, uh financial instruments. And so she, her view was that caution is going to prevail uh, and, uh, and investors are likely to keep their money in, in the safest possible investments. And that would include money market funds. So the asset levels are high. There does seem to be some movement, perhaps yield related. And of course, the trillion dollar question is where does that money go when the brakes really come off? Uh, interestingly enough, uh, the past couple of weeks, we've seen a major ramping up of flows into the bond funds that EPFR tracks. Uh, this past week, uh, we saw a new weekly inflow record for all bond funds uh, and for U.S. bond funds, a standalone group. Um, you, drilling down a bit, it really seems as if yield hunger is the big driver here. Um, this past week, uh, junk bond funds uh, recorded their second uh, largest inflow ever, uh, and they have set uh, two weekly records in the past six weeks. Um, 
What was quite striking to me actually was that the uh, overall pattern of fund flows this past week <clears throat> looked a lot like the pattern I was seeing just before uh, we hit the COVID-19 pandemic buffers, um, which was very robust flows into fixed income fund groups and uh, much less uh, exuberant flows into equity funds despite uh, a backdrop of uh, markets rising towards new record highs. Uh, uh, what did your data tell you about about the distinctions between retail and and, and institutional uh, investors in in that scenario? Um, that, that's a good question, Paul, because um, we've been seeing unusual levels of retail interest on the equity fund side, uh, really for much of the year, but uh, it's intensified since. Uh, the uh, COVID-19 outbreak went from a Chinese problem to a, a global pandemic. Um, yeah, again, you know, my first uh, working assumption is that uh, it's yield hunger that is really the motivating factor. Uh, when I look at where retail investors are putting their money on the equity fund side, uh, a lot of them are gravitating to uh, large cap growth funds, which is uh, where you get exposure to the big fang technology stocks. Um, but uh, you know, the other sort of aspect of higher retail flows is that many of our institutional uh, clients <clears throat> view them as something of a contrarian signal, uh, and especially in, in sort of the U.S. equity space, will move against them. You asked a couple of minutes ago what what's likely to be happening in the money market, the U.S. money market fund uh, sector that we pay attention to at iMoneyNet. How about? How about what you'll be looking forward to in the next uh, in the next couple of weeks? Anything anything jump out at you? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. We're definitely seeing uh, a rotation uh, within the sector fund groups that we track. Um, you know, over the past two months, um, investors have very clearly uh, positioned themselves to benefit from <clears throat> what I think is commonly agreed to be the strongest um, post-pandemic themes, which is uh, renewed uh, avenues for health care businesses to flourish um, and the great even greater role that technology is going to play in our lives as the uh, shift to um, working from home and online shopping that's being forced upon many people becomes uh, a permanent part of their day-to-day -day lives. Um, but lately, um, we've started to see some money trickle back into financial and real estate sector funds. Um, and uh, you know, there definitely seems to be a, a shift in thinking at the sector level that I'll be keeping an eye on. And then, of course, Europe. Um, there's uh, a great deal of uh, optimism all of a sudden uh, that uh, the uh, continent and the EU is finally getting its act together and that uh, they're going to take a common approach. Um, nothing I've seen in the recent history 
history suggests that's one you should bet the house on, but uh, there, you know, the uh, EU and Eurozone's ability to muddle through should not be underestimated, uh, and I think it's sort of going to be a, definitely an interesting period there. Anyway, I gather you're heading south for the weekend. Uh, I hope you have a good time. Thank you. And I look forward to catching up with you next week. Cheers. All right. Fine. Enjoy it. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Cam.